Amen. We're going to get under testimony next Sunday. It's in the bag already. And who knows, maybe the person that's driving a new car every month will repent and come and share with us as well. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Revelation chapter 1. Uh, today I'm going to begin the series teaching on grace-based relationships. But I'm going to ease into that by crossing some T's and dotting some I's from last Sunday. Uh, three things from last Sunday we saw that through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we became sons of God, kings with God, and priests. Okay? So, uh, let, let me just quickly make, use a five-minute thing to, to bridge the gap between then and now. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, their faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us. Say, we are loved? Do you guys believe that? Yes. The way you just say, we are loved. <laughs> to him who loved us. Yes. Say that. Say, we are loved. Yes. Now, see, the reason this is important, I, I keep on emphasizing this, there is no way you can love God if you don't appreciate that he loves you. Now, in your head, you have a mental assent that you love God. But this will be love with limitation. So you constantly need to remind yourself, in fact, the way I say it, you need, every one of us need to take love breaks. So, 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 so many times during the day, you need to take love breaks. What do I mean by love breaks? Pause, reflect, think, receive the love of God for yourself. Your ability to love yourself and others around you is hugely, hugely hinges on your being able to receive and embrace and believe that God loves you. The reason I don't love my wife, I don't love my husband, my children, my brothers, my sisters, is not because of just me being able to interact with them. No, the reason is because I have not received enough of God's love for myself. You cannot give what you don't have. True, sir. sir, give me one touch on your face. I don't have, sir. Are you sure? I don't, I, I don't have. You, are you certain? I have certain. I don't have. You can give it. I know you will if you have it. <laughs> you can never give what you don't have. So I'm saying to us, we must remind ourselves, he loved us. And he continues to love us. Now, you, already you guys have taken me off message. Because I wasn't planning to even do all of this. But this is too critically important. That's the essence of the entire gospel. Grace is powered by God's love. If there was no love, there can be no grace. It is this love that gave birth to this unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor from God because of his love towards us. Thank you, sir. It's unconditional. 
So please make it a habit to take love breaks. Okay. Let me start again. To him who loved us. What did our love do? Cause him to wash us. Do you see that your washing is not because of your efforts? Your washing is not because you deserve it. Your washing is not because you earned it. You are washed not because you qualify. You are washed because he loved us. And thank God he does not love us the way me and you love one another. His love for us is not tit for tat. You scratch my nose, I scratch your nose. No, his love for us is unconditional. I was speaking to a person last Sunday and they had a dinner where they were in close proximity with Bishop Desmond Tutu. The lady said to me that Bishop Tutu was sitting next to her in this particular platform, this arena, this place. And she said, man, this is my chance. I have two questions, Bishop Tutu. Number one question, sir, can you share with me your favorite verse of the scripture? Yes, the answer was Romans chapter 5. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Bang, just like that. That's what the man said. Now, you look at that man's life. You can almost immediately, that verse came out of his mouth, you can almost see his life. These were the men who were at the pillars of the Reconciliation and Truth Commission in South Africa. Apart from which, South Africa will have disintegrated after Mandela came out of prison. So you can appreciate that because of his appreciation for God's love, he's able to love others around him unconditionally. He loved us. He washed us. And he didn't leave us just washed. He washed us from our sins. Ah, plural. Oh, come on. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm seeing so many things that just keep on pulling on me. He didn't wash us just from sin from last week. He washed us, past tense, from our sins, plural. Jesus is not paying the bill for my sin and your sin on instrumentals or on installments. Okay, let me tell you what I mean by that. When I'm paying my MasterCard bill, they send me a bill. They say, bank, for this to meet payment for this month, send us $25. So I send $25 to them. They are satisfied but my account still carries a balance. Yes. That is what you call installment payment. I still owe them, but they are satisfied. There's peace. Because they hear from me every month. <laughs> that is not what Jesus did for you and I. He loved us and washed us from our sins. Plural. Meaning, when he washed us, pastors, he was not making installment payments for sin. When you go back and look at the sin account, the balance now is zero. Zero. 
He washed us from our sins. And because we are washed, he now made us to be kings and priests unto him. And that's where I want to pick it up. Kings and priests. I said to you last week, Hebrews 4.16, we come to the throne of God boldly. You cannot come to a throne boldly as a commoner. You can't. And I share with you how Esther had to prepare for 12 months to do so. And how you cannot go before the Queen of England while she's sitting on the throne and walking out and she has to see your backside. It's impossible. So, given that context, how can I go before God and his throne boldly? I can only do so because I'm a king as he is a king. The protocol to seeing the Queen of England is totally different for the King of Spain. As it will be for a commoner. Because when kings look at kings, there's a certain amount of, of, uh, what's the word? Uh, Courtesy. Because we are both monarchs. So what I'm saying to us is, because God made us to be kings, now we have confidence and boldness to come before that throne of grace. And we're not timid. We are not intimidated. We're not scared. We're not afraid. Amen? Secondly, and I'm going to now flow into this, to this message, in particular for the single people. Secondly, not only did he make us to be king, he also made us to be priests. Huge. Huge. You saw last week with Benjamin. Oh, what a priestly ministry. What a priestly ministry. What happens with priests? Priests get something from God that they are able, on their account, to distribute or impart to others. The ten brothers of Benjamin had been going in and out of Egypt. Labor, work, to receive sustenance or provision. But when Benjamin showed up, the last one to get to town, when he showed up, there was no need for those ten brothers to ever go back and come back again. When Grace, ministering as a priest, showed up on the scene, he not only received provision for himself, but on the account of Grace, it was a blessing to all the other ten brothers. It took Grace to get a ten, the law, to get ministered to. I don't want to take it beyond that. There's a lot more than that, but Let's go back to the, let's go on to this now. Let's talk about being single and being sound. The Bible says, let me go to the easiest book of the Bible. Let's read from there today. <laughs> Leviticus. <laughs> Leviticus. And today, as we get into this, series of teachings. That, yeah, I'm not going to be here for too long. Uh, I, I just want to encourage all those that are single that you can be single and at the same time sound. Amen. And I'm speaking to everyone. It may not be to you particularly but it's for all of us. I, I want us to understand that the single most important thing that we are all looking for is meaningful and lasting 
relationships. Now, let me just go there right at the beginning. Especially for those of us that are single, whether you've been married before or you're looking to get married and so forth and so on. Let me just go there right off the bat. Even for married people, sex is not an all-day thing. Ooh. It's almost like I cursed. Now, I know you see things on TV, you hear stuff about Hollywood, but I'm saying to you that normal people don't have sex all the time, all day. Jessica, you are really beaming there. You are really laughing. You just came back from honeymoon. I wonder if you want to. Do you want? Do you have it? No, I'm just. I'm just. Listening. Even after we are married, you will find out that sex is part of marriage, and it's not every day. The rest of the normal people do not have sex all day long. Why? We have to go to work. You need a job. We have to talk. We have to communicate. We have to relate. Okay? There are so many other things that we, we do. But one thing we know for sure is that all singles of all ages want more than anything else meaningful relationship. They want intimacy. Now, with that, let me go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17 first. Deuteronomy chapter 17. Then we're going to go to the easy book. Deuteronomy chapter 17. Ah, oh, verse 8. Is it hard in here? Is it just me? I know Bissala will say that just like that. Chapter 17, verse 8. If a matter arises which is too hard for you to judge, between degrees of guilt for bloodshed, between one judgment or another, or between one punishment or another, matters of controversy within your gates, then you shall arise and go to the place where, which the Lord God chooses. Let's jump to verse... Uh, okay, let's read it down. Okay. Verse, t- verse 9. And you shall come to the priest, the Levites, to the judge there in those days and inquire of them and they shall pronounce upon you the sentence of judgment. That means decision. Not judgment as in hellfire. You shall do according to the sentence which they pronounce upon you in that place which the Lord chooses. And you shall be careful to do according to all that they order you. Verse 11. According to the sentence of the law in which they instruct you, According to the judgment which they tell you, you shall do. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left from the sentence they pronounce upon you. Very, very, very interesting. Let me just break this down. When you read the law, the book of Moses, all of those books, you will find that over and over and over that God's instruction for divine righteousness the meeting of the divine righteousness, the instruction will always come to Moses. Thou shalt do this. Thou shalt not do this. 
The instruction will always come to Moses when it comes to the divine order, divine judgment of the righteousness of God. God will speak directly to Moses. And of course, we know that the people could never carry out those instructions. They will always fail. Do you notice something? Whenever the people failed, who implements the solution? Never Moses. Always the priest. Always the priest. Always the priest. The priests were the one that will kill the animal. The priests were the ones that would pronounce that a man was clean or cleansed from leprosy. The priest carried with his, author, with his, with his function the authority to bless. Even during the era of Moses. So whereas Moses stood for the divine righteousness, the order of God's law, that shall not do this, that shall do that. The priests, on the other hand, were the solution, always. They were the instruments of grace, even under the law. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Did you guys understand that? Was that too deep? Ah, three people understood it. Oh, I'm in trouble. You didn't get what I just said. Rene, did you get it? Are you sure? Moses stood for the, the righteousness of God, the very hard, the righteousness of God under the law. But the priests, out of God's anticipation that the people will never be able to do what is telling Moses, stood there to be the remedy. There's a reason for which I'm going there in talking to us as singles and being sound. So we saw in Revelation chapter 1, because he loved us, he washed us, and made us to be kings and priests. So we see right there and then that we are God's agents to impart his grace, just as Benjamin was his agent to bring restoration or supply, not only to Israel, but ultimately to all of Egypt. We are the instruments of God's supply for grace. Now, this is amazing to me that in Deuteronomy, the Bible says whatever those priests said, that was it. Whatever they pronounced, settled all controversy. That's what we just read. Now you can appreciate Jesus in John chapter 20. When they came to his disciples after his resurrection, and the Bible said, he breathed upon his disciples. And what did they tell them? Whosoever sins you retain, are retained. And whosoever sins you remit, are remitted. Just like the priest back here. Now, we are not talking about a priest or a man or a woman having the authority to send somebody to heaven or to hell. That's not the point. That's not the point. Okay? I'm gradually bringing you to understand who you are. Not only as a son of God, as a king with God, but also as a priest of God. In your mouth, God is giving you, especially for us young people, God wants you to know that you have received certain authority from God, certain grace by God, and God wants you to know that just by you opening your mouth, you can settle all kinds of controversies, all kinds of decisions. Let's, take, let's go a little further. Now let's go to the very simple book of the Bible, Leviticus, the last chapter. 
of the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 27. I'm just building up to the message. When I get there, the punchline, five minutes will be gone. So Moses represents the claims of all of divine righteousness, while the priests who carried out the redemptive acts of service represented the solution or the grace. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 8. You're going to see what you have as a priest now. Leviticus 27, verse 8. But if he's too poor to pay your valuation, then he shall present himself before the priest. And the priest shall set a value for him according to the ability of him who vowed the priest shall value him. Verse 11. Let's jump to verse 11. If it is an unclean animal which they do not offer, if it is an unclean animal which they do not offer as a sacrifice to the Lord, then he shall present the animal before the priest. And the priest shall set a value for it. Who sets the value for it? Please. Say that again, please. Thank you. It's not, a, it's, not, it's not a trick question. And the priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad, as you, the priest, value it, so it shall be. Remember what we read in Deuteronomy? That the priest settles all controversy? Do you remember? You've forgotten that just real quick? Okay. A priest settles all the controversy, all the arguments, all the decisions when it comes to the priest, he says, This is what we're going to do. It's said to say, Here he's telling you. When it comes to valuation, that whatever value the priest ascribes to a thing, that is it. Good or bad. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's read one more verse. Verse 14. And when a man, I'm still in Leviticus 27, now verse 14. And when a man dedicates his house to be holy to the Lord, then the priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad, as the priest values it, so it shall stand. Now let me tell you a story to open up the message for single and being sound. Let me tell you a story. I read this, and this is a true story. There is a woman who runs an antique store. And she's trying to make room for more space in her store. Therefore, there was a coffee table in that antique store that she normally sells for $600. So in order to make room for more space in the store to take in new goods that's coming in, she slashed the price on her coffee table from 600 to 400. And she, she likes to negotiate and bargain. She'll she love that. That's right. So a man comes into the store and saw the coffee table and said, wow, I like this. And he immediately begins to bargain. He said, can I have this for $300? The woman said, come on. I sell this thing all day for 600 All day long. This is the last one I have and I'm trying to make room for more stuff, that's the only reason I'm selling it now at a discount for four. Back and forth and back and forth, this man begins to badger her, but look at the scratch on this table. The man said, that's why it's an antique. 
The man left, came back again, and began the renegotiation back and forth. And finally, the woman said, you're right. I'm going to change the price. I'm not going to sell it for $400 longer. It's not going to be $600. The man said, wait a minute. You are changing the wrong direction. The lady said, yes, you're, you're right. You're badgering me. It's helping me to appreciate what I got. What's the point in this whole story? And what's the message I'm giving to you as single as being sound? We just heard that the priest's valuation of anything is what holds. If you're trying to buy a house in Georgia, Messrs. IBK will take you through the bank. And the bank will appraise your building and tell you how much they believe it's worth. Here God is saying to you, number one, you are the building of God. Because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So you don't need IBK or any other real estate agent to take you through Wells Fargo Bank to get an appraisal for who you are. As you estimate yourself as a single, so shall others appreciate who you are. The lack of your valuation based on your estimate of who you think you are will determine how others respond to you or do not respond to you. Hello? Are you with me? You should. <laughs> Praise God. She gave me a sign. Hallelujah. Amen. Perhaps some of us cannot relate to the story or the example of the antique. Maybe we should use something else we can readily identify with. That may ring a serious bell for us. But Greg, if you are to buy a condo in Bucket that normally appraises for $2 million, and just like that, somebody offered it to you and you bought it for half a million. It's not depressed. Nothing is wrong with the thing. Okay? The guy just needs quick money and says, you know what? I like your bald head. Yes. So I'm going to sell it to you for half a million. <laughs> half a million dollars. All day long in the bank, he's been appraised for two million. Sir, if I offered you 100,000 for it, will you sell it? You pay half a million for it? No. Are you sure? It's cash. cash real cash. How about if I offered you all of $150,000? No, sir. You still would not sell it? No. How about $175,000? <laughs> no, sir. No. You have not changed your mind? No. Why would you not sell it for one seventy-five? dollars <laughs> <laughs> You might say, ah, pastor. <laughs> <laughs> because to begin with, you know the thing is worth two, $2 million. You see, we understand such a physical illustration. But unfortunately for us, as young people, we don't understand how much God appreciates you. And we do not understand how much value we carry in the eyes of God. And therefore, because of that, we make wrong choices based on the wrong estimations.
That's the problem. Many of us are where we are now in relationships, in friendships, because of the wrong estimation that we have for who we are. Many of us appraise or appraise ourselves based on what your friend is saying you are. Yes. Or what your peers seem to be gravitating to. Or what's available in your immediate environment. And so you look at an environment, you look at your friend, you look at your peers, and you assume that as they are, so you are. But remember what the scripture says. You estimate yourself. You are the priest. Oh my God. God is saying, whatever you say about yourself, I sanction it. You are the priest. And if you are born again, as we said, you are not only a son of God, a king with God, you are also a priest of God. And therefore God says, I give you the authority to look at your house, good or bad. In fact, if it's bad and you say, you know what? As bad as this house is looking, I estimate and value it as higher. God says, so shall it be. So what are you saying about yourself? How do you see yourself? And for any child of God, there is only one way for us to see ourselves. It's not based on what your friends are saying to you on Facebook or WhatsApp. Instagram. What else is there, Daniel? Twitter. Twitter. Those guys come and go. And to help us understand how much God appreciates us. Oh, let me, let me back off. Let me back. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let, let's go to Jeremiah 31. Thank you, Father. Jeremiah 31. Yeah. And I, I, I want to say this. Because this is very apt and it's appropriate. Uh, there is no way um, that you can desire to be treated like a thousand dollars. If you already sold yourself for 20. Yes. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Let me repeat that again. You cannot demand from your friends. A thousand dollar treatment. When you already sold that for 20 dollars. Nobody's going to give you a thousand dollars when they can get it for 20. What am I saying to you? When you esteem yourself and value yourself, the way God values you, it affects the way you carry yourself. It affects the circle of relationships that you attract to yourself. Now, I know for some of us, I will not be a fool to imagine that some of us have not blown it off made me, or made mistakes. All of us make mistakes. All of us make mistakes. And so for those of us who may have made mistakes, let me also tell you, God is a God of restoration. Particularly for young people, the issue of our virginity. 
And I know I'm throwing things out here today that you guys say, oh, man, <laughs> pastor, please, this is public forum. Where else are we going to talk about it? I wish somebody told me about it. I'm saying to yourself, I'm saying to you as a single, be sound. Keep yourself. Amen. There are two words in Hebrew that God uses to describe the word virginity. Okay? The one word means separated. The other word means hidden. There's no sense in me giving you the Hebrew words. You won't remember them. So let me save myself the frustration of that. <laughs> Just understand what it means. To be separated or to be hidden. And you know, it's amazing. As I was preparing for this and I was thinking through all of this, there are certain things in my household that is separated and hidden. It's not necessarily hidden from others. It's just protected. It's just, I just want it placed in a place where, wow. Because every time I see them, it, I cherish the memory that it invokes. It's rare and it's just cherished. That's the idea that the word virginity is trying to connote. Separated. For what? To who? For that special time, special day, when you'll be joined together with a man or a woman and you can celebrate your virginity. Amen. Or hidden as in, you know what? This is a precious, rare thing. You don't go to a store and buy most expensive glassware that costs you $2,000 and you put it on top of your uh, dishwasher. What, what do you do with those kind of things? You store them away. Why? They are treasures. They are rare. It's of serious worth. That's the idea that God is trying to transfer to me and you when he talks about virginity. Being separate and being hidden for the right moment, the right time when you can celebrate what God has done. Now, I said this and I'm going to say this again. I understand that some of us we have made mistakes. In fact, many of us have made mistakes. But I want to assure you today, the good news is that once you hear the truth and you set your heart to do that which God is saying to you, whether you've blown it or not, from that moment forward, God restores to you the joy of your virginity. Amen. I'll show it to you in the scriptures. Jeremiah 31. Let's go there. This is good news for many of us. Jeremiah 31 verse 4. Again I will build you. And you shall be rebuilt. O virgin of Israel. You shall, adorn, you shall, you shall again be adorned with tambourines. And you shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. So it's not about, oh man, I'm under the law. My God, I've blown it. It's over. No, it's not over. God says it's not over. Amen? Once you receive the truth, God is saying is able and willing and will in fact restore back to you the joy of what was taken from you. Amen? That's good news. That's good news. Whether you're single or you've been married before, you're single again, it doesn't matter. God will restore that back to you. Let me go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. So we see 
young guys, young people, this is for both male and female. Please don't sell yourself cheaply with three dates. Guy takes you, takes you to a McDonald's to eat and then he takes you to two movies and you sell yourself. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. That's crazy. That is a $20 sale. That's about how much as it costs to go to a movie for two people and a popcorn. Yes, sir. And then you're no longer innocent. For what? Tell it, Pastor. Two movies and a popcorn. That's too cheap. Make the guy run after you like a madman. Yes. Become mysterious. For every phone call he makes, no, for every five phone calls, reply him one time. I'm telling you truth. And don't let me hear this nonsense. Ah, I just let me just get close to you, see, because I'm I'm about to explode if I don't just touch you. Explode! <laughs> You're a suicide bomber, anyway. These crazy things people say just to, to, to take advantage of other people. I, I will explode if I don't do this. Tell them to explode. We know who you are right away. I mean, we, we can identify you. We know who you are. No. No. Don't sell yourself cheap. Because once you've diminished yourself, you cannot get it back. You can't. And don't think that the guy or the person, the lady will change just, just because of that. That's not true. That's not true. It's all a lie. Come on, man. It's like giving you a Christmas gift in August. When December comes, what are you going to look forward to? I already got the gift. I don't need December any longer. It's gone. I've, I've taken it. <laughs> you guys, you guys. Seven, what is that so funny? Pardon me? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. will. Amen. All right. Be a treasured person. Treat yourself like a collector's item. Okay? Uh, I don't want to belay the time and go on to Second Samuel chapter 13, the story of Amnon. We, all, we, we know that story. We may, we may get to that later on. The point I'm making this morning, there's a sense in which we value the things that come to us tough. Now, I'm not talking about grace. I'm not talking about God. Let's make that distinction. I'm not talking about God now. There's a reason for which they pay people that went to school for 10 years to be a surgeon. Those of us that just went for six weeks. Yes, sir. You, you understand that? Yes, sir. There's a reason for which they do that. There's a reason for which Jacob was willing to work seven years for Rachel. The Bible made it clear. Leah had eyes that was like this. I didn't say it. The Bible said that. Why are you guys, why are you guys, am I the one that said it? The Bible says our eyes are weary. But the Rachel was beautiful. So this man said, for this beautiful one, I'm willing to walk seven years. Make them wait seven years. Ooh, I didn't get an amen. These young people, <laughs> these young guys are not with me at all. They said, seven years, are you kidding? You mean seven minutes? <laughs> 
Saul told David, you want my daughter? Go bring me 100 false kings of the Philistines. It's in the Bible. David said, I'm so motivated, I'm not going to give you 100, I'll give you 200. Yes. Because I really want this girl so bad. Yes. First Samuel 17, at the battle with Goliath, what motivated David? He heard what the king was saying. Whoever kills this uncircumcised Philistine, free tax in Israel, and can marry the king's daughter. I said, what? He got in the battle. The point I'm making is, don't make it so easy. You diminish your value by making it so easy to be taken. Man. Don't make it so easy. Daniel, are you hearing me? Faith? You have a question for me? No. You sure? You good? Just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Amen. Quickly, let me just close. Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Verse 44. Look what the Bible says here. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. Treasure what? Hidden. Hidden. What does that word bring to your remembrance? Hidden. Hidden. Virginity. Treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. This is how much you cost God. This is talking about you and I. Young people. He's talking about all of us, but in particular, as a young person, you need to see this as you. God so much values you that in spite of what everybody is saying about you or against you, he sees how much you are worth, and the Bible says he, takes, he sells everything he has to buy you. How much did we cost God? Everything he had. He only had one son. And he gave that one son up to get me and you. That's your worth. So when the guy comes up to you and tells you uh, uh, he's taking you to a moving alley in the back of a car, you need to let them know you're worth more than that. You're worth more than that. God gave everything he had to get you and I. Everything. He had no reserve. Nothing else. Everything he had. Should we not give ourselves so freely to someone or some person that's going to bring devastation? That only happens because we don't have a sound understanding of our self-worth. And I'm saying to us this morning as young people, as singles, to be sound enough to see that you are worth a lot in the eyes of God. And so your, the estimate of who you are should be according to what God said about you, not what your friends are saying. Amen? In the name of Jesus, I come against every embarrassment, every shame, every disappointment that you may have suffered at some point or the other. I pray 
in Jesus' name, the restoration of your joy, of your virginity, of your glory. I pray, Lord God, that all of our eyes will be so enlightened and open that we will see ourselves the way you see us. How worthy we have been to you for which you gave your only begotten son. Thank you, Lord God, that we receive that grace from this day forward never to sell ourselves short. That we have the boldness and the courage to go back and mend relationships and get things straightened out and drop some and just leave some alone entirely because they are not going in the same direction with us. Thank you for that courage. And Lord God, I pray that for any man or woman who is looking to be connected, that because they are taking a stand that honors and glorifies you, you will bring people along their way who will respect you for who you are as God and honor them for who they are, for who you have created them to be. We pray that you, the great God of heaven, you are the best matchmaker there is. And therefore, we release your grace upon your people. Either for those who have never been married that's looking to get married, or for those that have been married and need to be remarried. Lord, I open heaven above them right now. In the name of Jesus, that you, the God of all restoration, you bring restoration to in every home, in every situation, to the glory of who you are. Thank you, Father God. And we rejoice in you already in anticipation for your great news. Thank you for the testimony that will come forth because of your goodness. We honor and we bless you, Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody said,